Greetings, Cross Point Church. And greetings, uh, online friends. Thank you for joining us today. I have a message today titled, Hard Truth for Serious Disciples. And some of these things that I'm mentioning, uh, some truths in the scripture, it's like uh, striking a nail. You hardly ever hit a nail once and it's all the way in. You have to hit it a couple of more times. And so some of these are, are hard truths that coming at you again today. But just before we go to the message, I just want to advise you that you'll be getting a call in these next days. We're doing a brief survey of Cross Point Church family, folks online. And uh, so when you get that call, don't make the assumption that's a teller. Don't recognize the number. It's a telemarketer uh, that we'll be identifying ourselves right up front. So that'll be happening in the next two weeks. And I did want to tell you that uh, exciting night here at the church last night, we had our first ever family service. And there are several families here present. It was a wonderful time. Uh, successful enough so we feel like we ought to do it again, where whole families would come and sit in a bubble. And it was just an exciting time together. So uh, stay tuned and you'll be hearing uh, more about that in the days ahead. Hard truth for serious disciples. Are you a serious disciple of Jesus Christ? I dropped by the Jeep dealer this past Monday, and this one, picture I'm showing you, was sitting out front, and it caught my eye. And so uh, I went inside and picked up a brochure. Maybe I shouldn't have, but I did. And I read in the brochure these words. You are given the confidence to travel wherever your dreams want to go. Answer the call of open-air freedom and give your spirit permission to explore every corner of the world with confidence. Well, as I read down through that thing, I was giving my spirit permission to dream. And so I read on and it said, enjoy the wind in your hair experience. I could get into that. I read on, this Jeep features a 3.6 liter V6 engine, a six speed manual transmission, removable doors, Alpine premium sound system. And this one you're looking at is Stingray. Beautiful machine, don't you think? Well, as, as I read this brochure and I'm standing there and beginning to think, you know, maybe I can do this. And then my thought progression went to maybe I should do this. And then a salesman approached me and, I, and, asked, and asked a question, I asked the question and that gave me the hard truth. I asked, how much? And he said, $40,000. And my first thought, the thought that I share with you, I should do this, immediately left me, followed shortly by that thought, I can do this, $40,000. I didn't answer like that to the guy, but I'm standing there thinking, by the time I get this thing paid for, I'll need a walker more than I need a Jeep. And then all of a sudden, my old 2004 Jeep looks real good, don't you think? Looks decent, doesn't it? 
Well, all those great features of the new Jeep had me leaning in until I heard the hard truth. Here's my question for our consideration today. Do we do that? Do we do that in the church? Do we do that with our teaching? Do we do that with our preaching? Do, do we say things like, come follow Jesus. It's life to the full. You get joy, you get peace, you get fulfillment, you get contentment. Everything's good, and then at the end you get heaven. Do we do that, but then when it comes to the hard truth, do we sometimes say, uh, oh yeah, there may be some pain, might be a little hardship along the way, you may have to suffer now and then, you may experience some trouble, there may be a few struggles. What I'm asking you is, are we guilty of, of shouting the benefits are we guilty of maximizing the benefits of what we preach and teach and whispering or mumbling, worse, minimizing the hard truth? Well, I don't need to tell you this morning, do I, that Jesus never did that. So I want you to come with me now to Luke, chapter Luke, the third book in the New Testament, and chapter 9 and verse 22, and follow along with me as we read together. For I, Jesus speaking, the Son of Man, must suffer many terrible things, he said. I will be rejected by the leaders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. I will be killed, but three days later I'll be raised from the dead. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must put aside your selfish ambition shoulder your cross daily and follow me. If you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you'll find true life. And how do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose or forfeit your own soul? If a person is ashamed of me and my message, I, the Son of Man, will be ashamed of that person when I return in my glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. I assure you that some of you standing here right now will not die before you see the kingdom of God. So for these, our moments together this morning, I want to share with you the hard truth for serious disciples. And here's the first. This isn't, this gospel we preach and teach isn't a prosperity gospel. It, it, it couldn't be made any clearer than it is in verses 22 and 23 where we just read, I must suffer many terrible things, Jesus speaking. I will be rejected by leaders. I will be killed. And then he looks out at the crowd and says, and if any of you want to be my follower, shoulder your cross daily and follow me. That doesn't sound much like a prosperity gospel, do you think? Jesus is saying here, I will be rejected, not revered. I will be rejected, not respected. I'll be rejected, not renowned. Rejected, not rewarded. And yet popular inside the church today, there's this teaching there's this teaching quite prominent in some circles that if you choose to follow Jesus, you can expect health and wealth, 
to result. It's God's plan for all his children in the here and in the now. How do you reconcile that teaching? How do you reconcile that doctrine with Jesus' words here, I must suffer. I will be rejected. I will be killed. And if you follow me, Jesus is saying, you'll need to shoulder your cross and follow me. It's it's like there's this North American gospel. I'll say gospel with the small g that that claims if if you just claim it and pray and have enough faith, anything and everything you pray for in the here and now, you'll get it. And then there's the gospel, capital G, Jesus gospel, which says, put aside your selfish ambition, shoulder your cross and follow me. Success, wealth, health, isn't the mark of divine favor. And the idea that it is goes against everything that Jesus taught. Matthew addressed this in the first book of the New Testament, chapter five, verse 11. Listen to how he puts it. God blesses you when you're mocked. Hear that? God blesses you when you're mocked. You think of yourself as blessed when you're mocked and goes on. And when you're persecuted, God blesses you when you're lied about. Really? Because you are my followers. You're blessed when those things happen to you. Wife said to her husband over dinner, how was your day? And he comes back with, oh, God really blessed me. God really blessed me today. You should have heard the guys at the office hoot when I told them that I had to miss the, the annual office golf tournament this Sunday because I'm committed at my church. You should have had them. God, you should have heard them. God really blessed me. Really, do we think like that? Do we? Kathleen Falsani, an American award-winning religion columnist, She put it well. Here's what she wrote. Jesus was born poor. During his earthly tenure, he spoke time and time again about the importance of spiritual health and wealth. When he talked about material wealth, it was usually part of a cautionary tale. Ken Hubbard was an American humorist a hundred years ago. He said these words, I'll say this for adversity. People seem to be able to stand it, and that's more than I can say for prosperity. You see what he's saying? He's making the point that prosperity is not a character mill. Prosperity doesn't seem to make better people. Think of it this way. Someone said it, put it this in these words. Christians are like tea bags, not much good until they've been in hot water. Folks, the gospel of Jesus Christ isn't a prosperity gospel. Sorry. Now, here's a second thing. Here's a a second hard truth that you must know if you're going to follow Jesus. Here it is. The way up is down. The way up is down. I'm reading again words we just read. If you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find true life. Jesus is here saying, if you give up your life for me, you will find true life. What? He's saying down is 
down is up? Isn't that, isn't that quite opposite to what the world says? And the answer has to be, well, yes, it is. The world, would, the world would advise us to look after number one. If you don't look after no, number one, nobody else will. The world tells us that, that life is the pursuit of happiness. The world tells us that if you, if you have your health, you just, you just about have it all. I've heard folks say that. You know, I'm healthy at my age. I guess you have it all when you have your health. No, you don't. But that's what the world says. Jesus says, he who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus said, the last will be first. Jesus said, if you want to lead, serve. He's saying, the way up is down. And yet the disciples, interesting, isn't it? The disciples had the world's view for almost the entire three years that they followed Jesus. The 12 followed, yes, they did follow him. They listened. And in the last few months, when, in, when Jesus increasingly began to talk to them about him being captured and about his trial and about his death, you remember what the disciples came back with when Jesus began to talk? Oh, no, 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 Jesus. No, don't talk about, don't talk about death, Jesus. Down isn't up, up is up. They anticipated Apparently, those disciples fully expected Jesus when he headed to Jerusalem that last time. They expected, they expected that to result in him being recognized and hailed as a king, and they planned to be in his cabinet. They thought he's going to set up a government. James and John's mother even said that kind of thing to Jesus. Hey, when you set up your kingdom, can my boys be in your cabinet? Can they rule with you? And I'm sure Judas saw himself as minister of finance, although Matthew, the tax collector, thought he was better qualified. Peter obviously had to be the minister of fisheries, don't you think? John is the minister of justice. And Andrew, who found the boy with five loaves and two fish that Jesus miracleized. I don't know if that's a word or not. It is now. Jesus miracleized and fed 5,000 people he, that's a no-brainer. He needs to be the minister of social services, doesn't he? You see, those, are, those disciples, they really did think that the way up is up. And that's why on the night that Jesus washed the disciples' feet, here's a picture for you. It was a gift to me some years ago. Jesus washing Peter's feet. You remember what Peter came back with when Jesus took the basin and got down on his knees in front of Peter? You remember Peter's words? It went something like this. No, no, don't you go down on your knees and wash my feet. That's a servant's job. You shouldn't be doing that. Basically, he's saying to Jesus, down isn't up, up is up. Hard truth, isn't it? Pope John Paul served the Catholic Church as Pope from 1978 till 2005. He's considered to be one of the most influential leaders of the 20th century. As a young priest in Poland, he was imprisoned by the communist government as just a young man. But all 16 of his fellow seminary students, the guys that were preparing for the priesthood with him, all 16 of them ended up in prison before Pope John ended up there. And he was wondering, why not me? And when they finally came and got him, here's what he said. 
what was happening to me was totally appropriate. What he was saying was, I should expect, I should expect to be persecuted for my faith. Well, I ask you, and I ask me, how foreign is that kind of thinking to our, to our Canadian, Christian, comfortable church mindset? Pastor and author David Platt spoke these words. Kind of stabs my heart, does it yours? To everyone wanting a safe, untroubled, comfortable life, free from danger, stay away from Jesus. If you're going to follow Jesus, the first hard truth is this. This isn't the prosperity gospel. Will you follow anyway? The second hard truth is the way up is down. Will you follow anyway? And here's the third hard truth. You can't be a secret follower. There's no such thing. And I take you back to Jesus' words. Could it be any plainer? If a person is ashamed of me in my message, I, the Son of Man, will be ashamed of that person when I return in my glory. That means on that great and final day. You know what? There are some scriptures that don't need much explanation. And this is one of them. It's basically saying, if you're going to claim the name Christian, you must be willing to take a stand anywhere and everywhere and say, I'm one. I'm one. I follow Jesus. Not just willing to stand as a Christ follower, but anxious and even, even proud to stand. I, re I recall to my own shame my high school days and my, and my desire to to blend in with the boys and avoid at all costs any mention of my preacher dad, any mention of my regular church habit and my claim to be a Christ follower. To my shame, I recall those days. A man was out walking his dog. It was a, some combination of toy terrier, chihuahua, Pomeranian, just a little tiny dog. And they met a lady who, upon seeing the dog, said, Oh, what an adorable little dog. What breed is your dog? And he said, Why, he's a police dog. A police dog, the lady says. That can't be. I've seen police dogs. They're, they're big, huge things. And the guy answered, said, But my dog's in the Secret Service. No. Listen, I'm sorry, but there is no, there is no Secret Service if you're following Jesus. No such thing. The book of Matthew, chapter 10 and verse 22, says, states the same thing that Luke said in the words we read a moment ago, but from the opposite angle. Uh, Matthew, when he says it, he doesn't tell what happens when we're ashamed or refuse to take a stand. He takes the positive view and he says, Matthew 10, 32, anyone, if anyone acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will openly acknowledge that person before my Father in heaven. If you're going to follow Jesus, here's the hard truth. It's not a promise of health and wealth. It's, it, the way up is down, and you cannot be a secret follower. But I should never end this. Let me end this sermon with a better truth. You like this one better. Hear me. We do win in the end, you know. We do win in the end. 
He speaks of acknowledging us in verse 26 that we read. He says, when I return in my glory, you see it? We will win in the end. He will share his glory with us one day. And then back in verse 22, we read this. I will be killed, but three days later, I will be raised from the dead. Do you know what our problem is with that verse 22? It's the word smack in the middle of the verse, just one word, later. It seems that 21st century Christians don't much care for the word later. What we want, we want it now. We live in a now culture. And the truth is, I could go over to Chrysler Jeep tomorrow, the sign says so, right out front, on the spot financing, and I could have what I want, and I could have it now. But Jesus' message to us says, cross now, crown later. We do win, but it is later. Will you follow? Will you still follow? Are you serious about this business of following Jesus? Years ago, a man had a dream, and it was published. What he dreamed, it was published in a, a paper put out by the Presbyterian Church, and it went like this. I saw in a dream that I was in the celestial city, though when and how I got there, I could not tell. I was one of a great multitude, which no man could number, from all countries, peoples, times, and ages. And somehow I found out that the saint who stood next to me had been in heaven for more than 1,900 years. Who are you? I said to him. He said, I was a Roman Christian. I lived in the days of the Apostle Paul. I was one of those who died in Emperor Caesar Nero's persecutions. I was covered with pitch and fastened to a stake and set on fire to light up Nero's gardens. How awful, I exclaimed. No, he said. I was glad to do something for Jesus. He died on a cross for me. The man on the other side then spoke to me and said, I have been in heaven only a few hundred years. I came from an island in the South Seas, Eromanga. John Williams, a missionary, came and told me about Jesus, and I too learned to love him. My fellow countrymen killed John Williams, and they caught me and they bound me. I was beaten until I fainted, and they thought I was dead. But when I revived, they knocked me on the head, cooked me, and ate me. How terrible, I said. No, he said. I was glad to die as a Christian. You see, the missionaries had told me that Jesus was scourged and crowned with thorns and died on a cruel cross for me. Then they both turned to me and said, What did you suffer for him? Or did you sell what you had for the money which sent men like John Williams to tell people like me about Jesus? And the dreamer said, I was speechless. And while they were both looking at me with sorrowful eyes, I awoke and realized it was a dream. 
and I lay on my comfortable bed for hours thinking about what those words of Jesus mean for me. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must put aside your selfish ambition, shoulder your cross, and follow me. Let's pray. Father, it's a good thing for us all to consider. Do I mean it when I say, I will follow Jesus? You told us on more than one occasion when you walk this earth that we should count the cost. Before a man takes a journey, before he builds a house, he should count the cost. And Father, I pray there's some cost counters here in this room today. That there's some cost counters watching, listening online this day. Help us not only to hear the pleasant truth and think on the benefits, but Father, help us to realize that there is hard truth and that this business of following Jesus will cost us something. And Father, may we determine, no matter what, I will follow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.